Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Austin Baker. I'm here with Brian McKinney. Sally's off this week. Here with Allie Elise from Vikings Twitter. She's joining this show for the first time. And our old pal, Ron Saw. He's in the house tonight. We haven't spoke to you guys in a couple weeks. Tonight, we're going to talk about the aftermath of the NFL draft, what the group liked, what the group disliked about the event, and get into a little bit of the Zedarius Smith trade. But yeah, we are about four weeks away from Vikings mandatory minicamp. So we will start to... Set that path by talking about the foils of the draft and some of the stuff that's upcoming vis-a-vis trade with Zedarius or what happens to Dalvin Cook. Foremost, however, betonline.ag is your number one source for all of your basketball information, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's basketball playoffs. We're in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals at the moment. Bet online is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all of the wagering needs, basketball, Major League Baseball, NHL, and UFC with boxing as well. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in all this action. Be sure to use the promo code BLEAV. Believe B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We are back and we are now a couple couple weeks removed from the draft. So we're gonna get caught up on that foremost. In the first round, the Vikings added Jordan Addison. They had a very clear and evident defensive need, but they said the hell with it. We're going offense, we're getting rich as hell. Decadence is on the menu. So, Ron, I'm going to ask you first, generally speaking, it doesn't have to be Addison, but I bet you mentioned him. Um, what was what was something you liked about the Vikings 2023 NFL draft? I mean, it seems like where what I like is they clearly are going off of position versatility, whether that's with Addison's ability to play outsider in the slot um, or the D-backs they took, um, you know, between Ward and uh, Blackman. Um, they're guys that can do multiple things. So um, to me, I think that's the biggest benefit because in a Flores defense, I mean, what we've talked about, he does a lot of multiple fronts. Um, guys are going to have to do multiple things. So um, it seems like the in two straight draft classes, they prioritize um, like there was a couple last draft class. I, I remember saying they took winning players from winning colleges, like who, you know, have that talent. And this year it seems like it's that flexibility to be able to, you know, keep the scheme running. So I, I like that. Um, and I think Ad- Addison, obviously, while I personally would have went with Porter Jr. just because of that need, um, I, it seems like we got the best player available at 23 and you can never be mad at that. One thing, uh, you know, how you talked last year about the big school fascination with Quazy, that didn't necessarily fade away. But what he did was kind of say the hell with the RAS athletic charts. And we're getting guys who have big resumes that played substantial amounts of games in college. So um, when the Makai Blackman pick came through, there's a lot of folks that said, well, this guy could have been gotten the fourth, fifth, sixth round. But the Vikings, evidently, for this draft, I don't know if it's a trend for next year. We shall see. It's It was dudes who played a lot in college. And that's that's why Makai Blackman might be able to dink around and play out of the gate because the guy is 24 years old. And it's, um, aside from guys who've played a lot, it's guys who've 
played in multiple places. Mm-hmm. Like obviously Addison was at Pittsburgh dominant there. And then, you know, with the transfer portal goes over, he contributes right away and, you know, and still dominated at that level. And I know Blackman is the same thing where he came from a different program and that transitioned well to USC. So maybe that eliminates a little bit of that learning curve. Um, and again, I don't know if that's what they were going for, or they truly just have, eyes for these type of guys um, i know last year it was uh caleb evans that quasi said that he um was up late at night watching uh film of so he clearly falls in love with his guys and has no problem picking them when he feels the need to so whether it's a reach or not you'll never know until um you know until you know three four years down the line when either they're they're playing up their level or not Bryant, so the Vikings had a defensive need on the depth chart, and they said, no thanks, we're getting a what we think will be fantastic wide receiver. And you lived and played through a Vikings era that kind of did that same very thing, that said, you know what, we're doing this offensive program. So, based on your... Go ahead. I don't know if you remember when we were discussing the draft, that I originally was like, well, we need to get some defense, defense, defense. But then I said... But then again, they just let go Thielen, so they may get a receiver. Mm-hmm. So I had kind of like putting it out like, if we don't get defense, they're going to get a receiver. Even I thought we should have got defense, but yeah. they got a receiver to compliment. You know, for the lost departure of Thielen, I guess they wanted to get somebody that's kind of, you know, compliment Jefferson as well and keep the offense rolling. And then they'll go back and, you know, fix the defense and maybe even get some other guys, you know, and later on from like a free agency or whatever. But yeah, and I'm yeah. pretty sure that if every single one of us would have been grown-ups during the 1998 draft, we would have said the same thing, that you guys should probably get defense. We don't need another wide receiver. So uh, like Ron said a few minutes ago, three or four years down the road, we'll know if this was worth the squeeze. But yeah, I think it's kind of a universal thought that, yeah, yeah you guys need a defense. What are we doing? But nobody at the same time is flustered with uh, Jordan Addison because in theory, he should neutralize any defensive coordinator who sells out to stop Justin Jefferson. Because if you want to do that, great. We have our finest Jordan Addison to deliver to you. Allie, something we haven't covered perhaps that you enjoyed about the draft. I thought they did well with what they had. I mean, we only had so many picks and I, I love their quote of, sticking to the plan, you know, that's, that's really their first draft where those are their picks and not coming from anybody else. And so overall, I think it was, it was an average to a good draft, you know, B to a B minus at worst. And I, I, for what all needs we had and then kind of the curveballs that were thrown, especially in the first round, it, it took some time to process, but I thought it was good. And and <clears throat> frankly, with this Jordan Addison pick, I had mixed emotions at the beginning where it was like, what did they just say? Oh, no, a wide receiver. Are we sure? It was like this roller coaster of like, I'm happy. I'm disappointed. I'm neutral. And just kind of going with the flow. But um, I really like what I've been hearing about him so far. So I can't be mad. Did any of you, while factoring during the draft or after the draft, did any of you consider TJ Hawkinson part of the draft hall, or is that not, not the way we do things? I was just going to say, I'm like, well, we nailed our second round pick. We know that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to keep it, um, I guess, 
in perspective on Twitter throughout all three days of the draft, making sure folks knew that, you know, we don't have this many picks. It's not because we're stupid and, you know, the gambled them away. It's because you have TJ Hawkinson as your second round pick. And then uh, Caleb Evans, because they bartered a fourth rounder last year. The thing that I enjoyed about this draft, in addition to what any, everybody has already said, um, is the trade back with the 49ers. They went and got a guy named J.R. Jair or J.R. Brown, who's a safety and good for them. I'm sure he'll be great. Uh, with that trade, the Vikings were able to stockpile picks and get Makai Blackman, Jaron Hall, who has a puncher's chance of becoming quarterback of the future, and Dwayne McBride, who five, six, seven years ago would have been a second or third round commodity if we cared about running backs. So my favorite part of that deal, even though customarily folks freaked out about what's he doing trading back? I wanted this blah, blah, blah guy. I enjoyed that trade because it looks like they have three dudes who will get to know on an intimate basis in Blackman, Hall, and McBride. One other thing to note on the, the draft class, the, the name that I'm ecstatic about, Andre Carter, the defensive and linebacker. Um, like I, well, before the draft, I was talking about I'd be fine trading back and you know getting him in that second or third round range. Mm-hmm. So um, why he fell, I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's because he's an Army product and typically mm-hmm. whether those guys have been able to transfer or not, I don't know. But clearly, again, look at the plus sides of it. The Army product, obviously, he has the discipline, he has the work ethic. I mean, I'm generalizing there, but typically it's hard to find a, an Army grad who uh, – isn't high character or you know all that type of stuff. So, um, but for me, it's a he's a six seven, two hundred and sixty pound, two hundred and seventy pound ish um, edge rusher to essentially replace Zedarius. But you know everything about him, he's a fluid athlete. Um, the biggest knock on him that I saw was he might not be as bendy at the hips, but when you're you know when you're that big, um, you know if you have that athleticism, you know all you do is set the edge and you know be able to. Um, disrupt the pocket. So I love that that pickup. And then I'm hearing good things about the Cincinnati linebacker as well. While he's short, him and uh, Asamoah are just essentially rocket missiles out there in the, in the middle of the defense. So we'll see what happens. After they netted Carter the second and then Ivan Pace, I had to go do my homework because I was trying to figure out why they went undrafted. And uh, the consensus, the very tiny consensus I got about Carter was the size and i was like well what are we talking about he's six seven and 260 so i think that he might just like appear a little too basketball-ish or lanky for an edge rusher right but at the end of the day you know i don't think six seven and 260 is going to be a disadvantage in terms of size so it'll just be a matter especially with zadarius out of the way which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh the the snaps edge rusher snaps are are wide the hell open for a guy like carter if he wants to supplant dj wanham for example all right, well, let's do some of the, the the deconstructive stuff, what we didn't enjoy in the draft. And I'll start. Uh, I do like that Jaron Hall is in the building uh, because I look at so many statistics as part of a hobby and a curse of mine. I don't like that we're perhaps putting the Enterprise with a fifth-round pick because we'd love to uplift that Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick and is the, the GOAT. But he's like the only guy that has ever been drafted that late to become elite. The rest of them, you have to stretch for like Mark Brunel or undrafted guys like Tony Romo. Uh, but there's not a lot of precedent for a fifth round guy turning into something uh, dazzling. So my my wish list uh, when we had this show right for the draft was that they would secure their quarterback of the future. And what I don't like is I have no idea if they consider Hall that or not. If he is, great. And when he starts, he'll be about 26, 27 years old and he better be ready. But right now, I don't I don't enjoy not knowing if Hall was just a pick that, you know, throw him on the practice squad and 
or if they truly believe that he is the guy after Cousins. That's my only grievance. Allie, what is yours about this draft? That was my number one. Oh, the um, lack of quarterback? That, Jaron Hall, personally for me, is a meh pick okay. at best. I mean, it's no third round Kellen Mond PTSD, and that's fine. But, you know, looking at the draft next year in the quarterback class, I, I just I don't see this for being the quarterback of the future. If I'm wrong, God bless. I hope so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have we have plenty of real estate. The other thing was we have plenty of real estate to go around in the backfield. But I just can't help but have this, like, feeling of inconsistency when you hear from Kwesi and KOC about, like, don't count our picks out from last year, mm-hmm. mostly referencing the corners. And yet they spent their, you know, third round on a corner, which we do need. We need the bodies back there. But I can't help but put a little bit of doubt in the back of my mind of, like, you know, our our guys, is Lewisine going to be ready? Is he going to be the player that he was before shattering his leg? So that that just got me a little a little hesitant. And as and as much as I love Jordan Addison, and I'm excited to see him because all I've heard is like he's the day one starter. He's like Stefan Diggs 2.0 minus character issues. <laughs> it's just maybe I'm being too picky, or it's like the former journalist in me. His his introductory presser did nothing for me. It just left a lot to be desired. You know, for someone who wowed them in, you know, combine interviews, it just didn't feel like his answers were very well thought out and they were just very short and just kind of gave me this weird thought. I was like, are are you ready for this? And I'm sure he is, but I, it left a lot to be desired. On your cornerback and secondary mentions there, uh, one thing I had thought about today, actually, on a different show was... So it'd be so if Andrew Booth and Caleb Evans are are fantastic and the Vikings are right, good. But that doesn't mean that they're less injury prone. And that was the knock on them. Uh, Evans especially is that you know concussions are not an injury to dink around with. And then Booth a looked horrible when he played, and then B was hurt like two or three times. So even if everybody's right in the front office, nobody can say like, all right, they're healed up for good and they're not going to be you know hurt. So I'm with you there that it feels like there's a leaving a lot to chance in the cornerback room. Thankfully, now they've got like 10, 11 bodies, so perhaps they can uh, develop one of them. Uh, Ron, what was one of your beefs, if at all, with the draft? Well, uh, before I get on my beef, like I'll, I'll touch on the cornerback part because, for one, you throw enough darts at it, like some of them are bound to stick. Um, so that's where so. I, I, I'm always uh, happy with. You know, if you ha- like for positions like that where you know there's a big rotation, just throw darts at it. I mean, that's how we ended up with Daniel Hunter and you know mm-hmm. Brian Robinson before that. Like it's continuously those those guys will all see the field. It's not an offensive line where that you expect them to play every single snap. So, um, and then also I think Blackman he has the versatility to play in the slot, which. You know me, I wasn't a big fan of Cameron Sullivan last year. Like he <laughs> was a, allergic to contact, um, you know, and whatever. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. But, uh, you know, I think that's a big spot. Byron Murphy's a starter. And then the other guys, just like you said, whoever's healthy. Um, and then, you know, Al, your point with the quarterback, like I'm with you. I don't think Jaron Hall's a quarterback of the future. I think he could be a high-end backup and spot starter, you know, a la Nick Mullins, that type of thing. Um, also, I can't say I'm a BYU 
versed in watching college football. So um, all the highlight clips, which anyone can put out a highlight clip and make it look great. Um, he's got a cannon of an arm and he's got a quick release. So those things are intriguing and he has mobility. So I think the knocks on him were his age and his size. So again, you know, like I've said numerous times, take a stab at a quarterback and, you know, third through fifth round every single year until you find it. I don't care. Like it's worth the shot, worth the gamble. Again, one dart's bound to hit. Um, so, but yeah, I also really like that quarterback class next year. And the fact that they were in talks about moving up, if Bryce Young started to fall, that makes me really, you know, intrigued for next year, because if it's Caleb Williams or Drake may, I'm all on board. So, um, but as far as my beef, it's, uh, there were, there were a couple things that um, where you look at and like you see someone start to fall, like and Howie Roseman and um, Philly's getting a lot of credit because he's snatching up these guys that everyone's passing on. Well, it's like, well, he didn't do anything. They just fell to him. Like blame the other GMs for not drafting J- Jalen Carter or, uh, you know, um, Nolan Smith. It's he didn't do anything. He took the best guy available. So there were times though where you see a name that's starting to fall or, you know, whether that's um, Ringo, the Georgia cornerback or something like that, where you kind of wonder, like, what are they not seeing in these guys that, you know, clearly, you know, the, everyone else, like, you know, or granted, all these other teams are passing on them as well. So mm-hmm. but I'm not scouting. I don't, you know, claim to know any of that. So, um, I mean, you know, like Ali said, I like what they did with what they had, you know, and your coverage are a little limited. You can't maneuver the way you want um it does sound like that they were not aggressively shopping 23 but teams were calling for it i know um kincaid it sounds like was the target for a lot of teams and when so the fact that they stood pat and they selected addison i know what people are thinking like well no one wanted to to accept an offer so we're stuck with addison so um i guess if i only have one beef on it it's that my only concern with addison i think he's going to be a stud um, is, is he too much of an alpha to fit alongside Justin Jefferson? Um, And that's my only concern because we don't need another alpha. Jefferson's going to go out and get his 1800 yards. Is Addison going to be mad if targets aren't coming his way? Bryant. So we discussed on our show a few times about the possibility of drafting a quarterback somewhat early um, because Kirk Cousins will be 35 when the season rolls around. Did the Vikings miss an opportunity to draft a first or second rounder, or doesn't it really matter that it's a fifth round guy? Um, it doesn't matter that it's a fifth round guy, and then also depending on how the season pans out, mm-hmm. maybe they may go for a first round, you know, quarterback too. <clears throat> so it gives them opportunity to see, you know, where the guy stands, you know, this season or the fifth round guy, and see, you know, what his potential looks like. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, and it gives him a year to be behind Kurt and kind of learn from him. But um, I kind of figured that they would try to fill that void with Thielen, though, and, and bring somebody in fresh. I want to know, how did, did, how did things work out when you had both Moss and Carter here? How was that? Well, you know. It, from my <laughs> recollection, it, it was, like, I think, it, like, right on draft day, because Moss, like, everyone saw the highlight videos. I don't think anyone was upset about it at all. Um, I, and, again, I was, what? 12, 13, but I still fall football a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, it was the whole three deep was the big thing. So it was 
I couldn't tell you any bodies on the defense outside of John Randall and mm. at that time at that time. Um maybe if uh Robert Griffith was here, those type of guys. But uh I think everyone was excited. Like But um like far as the receiver like, and then Randall Robert, Cunningham's like, coming in. Both both receivers were still able to kind of make big numbers at the time, right? Yeah, it's and Carter was at the time, you know, he's one of the top in the league. And I, I don't think Jake Reed ever uh um had an ego about it. Like he he handled it like a consummate pro. And then when he was gone, then Matthew Hatchett came in and kind of same thing. He handled everything like a pro. I, you know, and Randy Moss, like you, like, you know, he didn't command a ton of targets. It's he made the most of, uh, of everything. It was, right. He'd go three for one, 43 and three. Um, whereas Carter was the guy that would get everything underneath. And, um, you know, again, those defenses, I know gave up a lot of points. So we threw mm-hmm. the ball a lot. And obviously Robert Smith in the backfield um, was still, a beast so i don't really and granted social media is not like it is today or, or even media so who knows maybe there were some problems behind the scenes on um on other guys but uh you know i know chris walsh i don't know if, how long he played but uh you he, he made plays when his number was called mm-hmm. and um the turmoil didn't seem to be as evident uh but again there was no spotlight on it back i think then. it's different too because of the age difference between the two you know Addison and right. Justin are closer in age. And we've heard Kurt, you know, Carter talk about the fact that he kind of knew what Moss was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming, I mean, I was a little young at the time, but I'm assuming Chris went into it with kind of the mindset of, you know, a, a mentor mentee situation where mm-hmm. these two are going to be more of more on the even playing field in terms of age and stage. Yeah, and that's the that's the and beauty I have no of problem it. With Addison, it, I just have the alpha personality. Like I'm all for that, especially at that wide receiver and cornerback position. It's the are you going to be a diva about it because the ball's not coming your way, or are I don't you think gonna... his first year he has room to be a diva. I think his first year he's definitely going to probably try to learn and learn from Jefferson. I'm pretty sure he looks up to Jefferson, so like happy to be there, learn from him, and still play it out. I love it, like not to let him down, but I don't think he can come in right away and be a diva. Right. And I think the transition that he had from Pittsburgh, where he led the nation in receiving, was dominant, and then went to USC, where not that he wasn't the top guy, but he's in a, Jerry Rice's son was on that team. Like they have a bunch of other guys where Caleb Williams obviously spread the ball around. And so he was able to kind of go from everything is, you know, I'm number one on the team to, try to learn with that so now it's just the next step in that evolution of his game where you know it's you can't argue like if he comes in and says i'm better than justin jefferson and proves it i don't think anyone's going to be mad like then <laughs> if we give you give me number one wide receiver one and two i get be back to 98 all over again so um it's it's all about the attitude i want him to have the attitude to dominate but I also want to see him celebrating if you know if our tight end number two josh oliver catches a touchdown something like that Ali, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Chris Carter was 33 and Moss was 21. So it really was big brother and little brother. Yep. It was a huge difference in terms of the vibe, but that's the beauty of Addison Jefferson. Since they're two years apart in theory, they can be the, the duo for the next five years. And that was part of the, I think the reason they pounced on him instead of a defensive player. All right. Here's what I want want to ask. I want to ask you, Ali, about Zadarius Smith Uh, on March 9th out of nowhere. He tweeted goodbye to Minnesota. Skull baby, thank you. We'll see you. See you when we see you. And then nothing happened. He wasn't traded. He wasn't released. He hung out. He hung out, and some of his money guaranteed against the cap. 
64 days later, they traded him the Cleveland Browns for a couple pick swaps. And now Zadarius is gone. This caused some ruckus for some folks. They were like, this is a Pro Bowl edge rusher. What are we doing getting this two fifth rounders for him? And for me, for two months, it was a foregone conclusion that he was gone. So it surprised me to see folks upset that he was he would be traded. Uh, where did you land on, I guess, the trade return or the trade itself? I don't know why you picked me first to talk about <laughs> that. <laughs> no, I was bummed. I, w- I was absolutely bummed because I, I love Z though when he actually played. But I, I was not surprised at all. Like you said, when he posted that, and that was goodbye right then and there. But I, I loved his quality of character when he was on the field. I loved that he had such good rapport with Daniil. Mm-hmm. You know, because and Ev was. Ev was my absolute favorite for always will be. I got his jersey hanging up. And when he left, I felt like Daniil was really missing his sidekick. And that's why I was so excited to see Z come in and help fill that role and them doing their celebrations together. And now with Kendrick's gone, it just seems like Daniil has one less player reason, you know, buddy to stay until retirement. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't surprised. I was bummed. I did the goodbye, my lover gif on Twitter. But, you know, it is what it is. He he clearly did not want to be here. Uh, looking at compensation, I was originally disappointed with the picks that they got. But then when they went into more of, like, explaining where, you know, the how it's going to help the cap, it, it was fine. It, it needed to be done. And you know, sad to see him go, but there wasn't another option. Ron, if Zadarius had not tweeted goodbye on March 9th and the Vikings did not sign Marcus Davenport, this would be one of the dumbest trades that you could ever read. Um, but neither one of those was true. Uh, Zadarius, for whether it was money, I'm guessing it had to be money because he, uh, like Ali said, seemed to love it with Daniil and love the, love the team for a while. Anyhow, uh, either that or he got word that they were signing Marcus Davenport. I don't think that would make him freak out. For some something turned him off to high heavens that I'm not playing here no more. Uh, so to me, I was like, well, that sucks. He's gonna have to go somewhere because he ain't playing. And so they salvaged two fifth rounders for a sixth and a seventh. Uh, where did you land on the trade, Ron? I mean, yeah, it didn't come as a surprise. It was you know a few months of you know between him and then the impending you know Dalvin Cook situation of we know in all likelihood these guys aren't back whether, you know, Zadarius Smith all of a sudden didn't want to be here. So, all right, like, you know, you want to do passive aggressiveness, or I guess not passive about it, just, you know, I'm gone. Like, well, you're under contract. So, you know, it's, you don't have any leverage in the situation. So whether it's wanting to renegotiate your deal or whatnot, like, I get it. It was a team-friendly deal. And I'm all for athletes making all the money that they can while they can um because you're your own asset um but there's also kind of a way to handle things you know take look at adam thielen like no one was happy to see him go but i don't think anyone was disappointed in him because they understand it you're not making 19 million 
but there's a way, you know, you go and you get your 16 million two year deal or whatever. So good for him. Um, but it may be it's because he's the, the homegrown kid, uh, and the ties aren't there to Zedarius in that regard. But yeah, you sign Marcus Davenport, you know, like, especially at 11, 12 million, whatever it is, you know, they're not employing three edge rushers making, you know, $35 million. This is not happening. Um, so it would have been nice to see him in a Flores defense because I think he could be that three technique and kind of pressure packages, but I guess we'll never know what happens. And Davenport, you know, I'm happy with him. Bryant, another trade or release that could be on the horizon is Dalvin Cook. Um, he's scheduled to have a $14 million cap, put, cap hit against the Vikings' books, and it seems like they have too many running backs now to keep him. So the writing seems on the wall that he's going to be gone, but it's been that way now for like two and a half months. So my question to you from your playing days, uh, well, for, the Vikings have said, or at least we think they have said that the Vikings want to do right by him which means they want him to land somewhere where he wants to go. So what does that mean? If a player knows that he's probably not going to play for a team anymore, but the team is willing to work with him, are they, are they talking to his agent saying, you know, probably talk to his agent and um, saying places that he probably feels comfortable of going and them trying to reach out to those places that actually low key happened to me in Baltimore when it was time for me to go. And it was like, okay, well, I'll just go back to Miami because I know they need an offensive line. Um, so they're probably there's places where they probably know they need a running back, okay. Um, where he can fill in and you know be very very productive, and they're probably sharing that with the organization and they're trying to work out a deal on probably how to get him traded because they feel like he's been a good you know guy for the organization and so they want to see him all well. They don't want to do him you know any kind of way. So in Baltimore, did they tell you that they had like a different tackle they were leaning towards and they said what would you like us to do? No, I didn't know. I was I kept my my, well, my meniscus was torn. I found okay. out when I got there. When I got to Miami, <laughs> Miami was shocked because nobody told them prior. Yeah. So I, I was having issues with my knee, and they had brought in um I forget his name from Jacksonville, and then we started like splitting time. But then I was like having issues with my knee. Okay. And then I knew I could sense it, so I had I said something. I said something to Ozzy, and Ozzy was just like, "All right, B, just work with me. I'm gonna get it done." But I also knew. With Miami, the Dolphins needed too. I knew they were struggling at left tackle, and fans were DMing me and hitting me up, you know, about coming there. It works. And, actually, <laughs> and you know what's funny is, I responded to a fan, and he took what I said and like posted it. Oh yeah. Like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> then, <seen> that. <laughs> and he asked me question. I wouldn't mind coming back. I didn't. <laughs> so he posted it, and then so I was like, oh, he, he's gonna tell me later, like, see, it worked. I'm like, yeah, but then wanted wanted to be like that, but um, yeah. So it ended up, you know, ended up happening. Though. So yeah, let's try to like, you know, look out. Okay, so you went to Ozzy Newsom and said, if you're, did you say like, if I was you're like, gonna, okay, if we're, if we're gonna trade me, can we try to get me to, to mine oh, because okay. they're in need of a tackle. I already have a house there, so it's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's and cool like, to know that those. Work with me, and then he got it done. That's cool to know that the good guys in the front offices will work with you know stand up guys like yourself. And I'm guessing that's precisely this is just a guess what's happening with Dalvin Cook. I can I can I can picture that. I can okay. see that his agent is facilitating you know facilitating um you know where he should land or where they would like to see him go uh, to give him the best chance of you know. Uh, playing at a high level and getting on the field. Okay. 
All right, last question. Uh, I won't start with Allie this time because she was a little miffed that I started with her. So I'm going to go around the horn and start with Ron. All right, I've been wanting to ask this question on this show, even a text message to you guys for, because I'm really impatient, about two months. Uh, but now is a fair time to ask it. We have a free agency class in the books. They should soon have about probably 20 million to play around with summer free agents, but all the big names are gone. We have a draft class, six new men. We have 15 to 17 undrafted free agents that have come in through the front door. Ron, I'm going to ask you, you still have to see minicamp, training camp, preseason. But right now, what is your expectation for the Vikings? They finished 13 and four, got embarrassed at home in the playoffs. Going into and this probably won't change too much. I know you too well. What do you think right now? What's your expectation of the 2023 Vikings? My expectation is still win the division. Um, and I, all this hype revolving the Lions, like everything that they're praising them for is everything that they knocked the Vikings for. Um, like they never criticized Jared Goff as a quarterback, yet all they do is criticize Cousins when Cousins is a thousand times the player that Goff is. Um, their defense, while yes, they've improved, they still were right there with the Vikings as far as how bad they were last year, and we made improvements as well. So it's again, they've the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have won this division more recently than Detroit Lions have. And until that changes, um, <laughs> I will never like understand it. I, yes. Dan Campbell is also, he gets the team ready to play. They also, he was on the hot seat middle of the season last year. Like all of a sudden now his players are playing well and he, <laughs> they have talent. Um, keep your guys from gambling in the facility. Like you know, <laughs> apparently, I, you know, can't even do that. So all this hype around the Lions is I can't wait to see. I don't know what I'm more excited for to see them fall on their face or the Bears and, and you know, Justin Fields fall on his face because, man, and you see all these rankings coming out. Who in the hell is it? Whoever's putting Justin Fields as a top seven quarterback in the NFL, <laughs> not fantasy. We're talking the NFL. They need to have any media credentials just revoked. Like, I'm not saying he can't get there someday, but he's like, literally – yeah, it literally like it took. How long did it take Jalen Hurts to get respect as a top seven quarterback? It took him probably about nine, ten games into the year of him playing at that level before everyone's like, "Hey, he's a, he might actually be there." Whereas Justin Fields hasn't done anything, and he is like, I don't get it. Like, so until un, until, and I'm not saying we're gonna go out, we're gonna win thirteen games, fourteen games, but the division is very attainable. We. We have the best quarterback in the division, um, the the best offense. Like, we had the best offense last year in the division, and we got better. Like, we added a first overall or first-round pick at wide receiver. Even if you lose Dalvin, you still have guys there that can play. Um, offensive line continuity, this is the first time since Brian, your playing days, where <laughs> we're returning the five starters up front, where that – I know you've talked about it, but having that cohesiveness, that alone is an improvement. You're not shuffling guys around. Um, so, And also, <clears throat> Kirk's going into his second year with this offense. He hasn't been able to say that his entire career. Like, anywhere he's been, new offensive coordinator every single time. So, again, but let's all blow smoke up Jared Goff and Dan, and Dan Campbell's ass and see, you know, how that um, – what watch when uh, their Thanksgiving game is half empty like it usually is. That was one of the best speeches the show's ever had. And it, right, he went off. That gambling, that gambling. If if Believe goes back to doing that thing where they take snippets, I hope they get that gambling line because that was delivered. I'm all for gambling, but no, know where you can and can't do it. 
Uh, all right. So where I'm at right now is I do. Wait, the funny thing is that I do got to. Did you hear what it was that got James and Williams suspended? And I love it because it's I think it's hilarious. He was betting on women's tennis parlays. Really? So I don't know what event was going on like, or what, but that's yeah, what that's, got that's him deep into it. it. That's oh Yeah, that's more degenerate than me. It's, it's yeah, it's weird that he would get popped on something like speaking of getting popped for things. This is this is a little bit of a tangent now. I fully understand that it's not a good look for Ja Morant to have a have a gun when he's been warned. But why is he like the one person in the United States that can't have a gun? Like I I I don't quite get it. I know the I NBA think with him. Yeah, yeah, and I get it. Like it's it is dumb because yeah, you see people posting their Christmas card photos with their four year olds <laughs> holding a gun and whatnot. But I think it just stems from <clears throat> when he was at the club on a road trip and he mm-hmm. had the gun. So I think that was the red flag. And now it's, <clears throat> well, we're going to try to hide this under the rug that you're saying it's not your gun and whatever. Um, so let's just not have another, let's not do it again. And then, you know, but g- generally yeah. speaking in this country, and I don't, I don't agree with the gun happiness all over the place. But who cares if he has a gun? Yeah, if it's legal and he's on his own, he's in his own car in a buddy's car, whatever private property, it shouldn't matter. I think it just stems from the image problem of yeah. hey, you're at a club on a, in Denver, and how did you get that gun there if it is yours when you can't have a gun on a team plane or in a team facility or anything like that? I think that's the problem. Otherwise, and keep in mind this is coming off of that that month span where he it was known that he assaulted a teenager at his house and flashed his gun at him and then got into it with security guard. So I think yeah. it's just the image problem with him. And then dude, really? You can't just, just have your gun all you want. Just don't put it on. on right. yeah, no, it, it, it's silly no matter how it's, <laughs> how you break it down. But I mean, I keep, I kept thinking like if, if this was JJ Watt, we'd be like, guy has guns. This is sweet. <laughs> and so I don't understand why John Morant seems like the one guy in America that gets, uh, really criticized for owning a gun. And again, I'm not like a big gun guy. I've just never, I haven't quite understood why it's, why it's a notification to my phone that, oh no, John Morant, Merle Morant has a gun. There's a lot of people <laughs> be like, hell yeah, baby. He should have seven of them in the picture. But anyhow. <laughs> All right. So where I'm at it's with also the getting deeper into our, you know, John Morant, uh, believe segment, uh, it probably stems from the, uh, you know, the, the whole eight mile, like, you know, this, um, at the end where, you know, he went to a private school, he, he came from, you know, parents whose parents are still like that whole thing. I don't know if you've seen that on social media where they take the clip from Eminem. No, and, I haven't. Um, oh, you gotta see it. It's okay. great. It's, you know, in the, and the rap battle scene with, um, with Eminem and Papa Doc where, yeah. oh, this is Clarence. He went to a private school and like, they were showing, well, John Morant went to a private school and his and all the, I think it's the image he's portraying as like and anyone who knows him or whatever, like he's not hard, he's not from the streets, he's not a thug. Like, why are you portraying that image when you have yeah, two hundred and thirty one million dollars coming your way? You saw it too, Brian? Yeah. I seen that on Instagram, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just that's a, the cleverness of the internet is what that is. All right. Uh, on the Vikings, where I'm at right now is the expectation that the Vikings I think they'll win the division again, but I think it will be more grimy and grind it out because the schedule is brutality compared to last year, because no matter how you dice it, you face the chiefs, the Eagles, the 49ers and Bengals. And in most people's power rankings, those teams are in the top five. Even if the Vikings are great, this is like having four bills games that we at this time last year were looking at, Oh Jesus, we're going to Buffalo. How are we going to win that? Well, they did. Uh, so I, I don't think we'll have any 
we won't lament any one score wins this year because if they get them against the Chiefs, Bengals, Eagles, we're going to be like, oh, sweet. We won by four points. Great. We'll take it. Last year, we win by three and people will be like, why can't we win by 33? Uh, so I think no matter how they win this year, they had a good on the job training last year for figuring out how to be situational masters. So I have them pegged right now, 10 and seven, 11 and six. I have to see how the summer goes before I decide on that. Uh, but I also don't I don't think the Packers should be left for dead. I think Jordan Love will end up being pretty good, perhaps with like a Dak Prescott like ceiling, hopefully not a Hall of Fame damn thing. But I think that everybody has just said that all well, the Packers don't have Rodgers, so they suck. And we should know we should know by now that the Packers rarely just flat out suck. So I'm not writing the obituary. I wish I was. Uh, Allie, what do you got for uh, expectation? You don't have to put a win loss record on it, but what are you thinking? I tweeted out 12 and five division winners and I'm going to stick by that. (laughs) I I think you're right. Like I'm, I'm never going to count out the Packers, you know, life's too cruel not to, you know, (laughs) but at the same time, you know, I'm with Ron, like lions are going to lie in They're They have to lie in at some point. So, you know, I, I still expect to win the division, but it doesn't, I think you make a really good point of, you know, how we were lamenting last year about how we can barely win these one score games. But, you know, as a fan and knowing the rest of Vikings Twitter, other than those five games, you know, Eagles, Chiefs, 49ers, the top five, the rest of those, I can see fans being pissy that we're not winning by 33, you know, plus or whatever. Other than those. So I, I think it'll be tough, but I, 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 our offense got better. We had the screw the worst defense in the division. We had one of the worst defenses in the league, mm-hmm. and we still won the division. So I, I still I think we defend the North. Um, I'm hoping 12 and five, but I think we take the title again. Yep, Brian Flores, if you're listening, we need you on that defense. Good, mm-hmm. sir. Uh, speaking of those blowout games, the Vikings haven't beat anybody by 17 or more points since 2019. We're going on four years, and that was the Chargers game where Afadi Adembo scored a defensive touchdown. And we beat the shit out of the Chargers 39-10 in that stadium that had, like, no fans in it. Brian, take us off the show. What is your expectation right now? we still got a summer to go for the 2023 Vikings. I don't know because I looked at their schedule and I feel like they had a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, really tough. Um, and I did hear you say, like, if they win these games by two or three <laughs> points, I mean, these, this is the season where I would be happy if some of these games they just won by two or three points. <laughs> um, you have to give me more time with this because when I see the schedule, I was just like, this is a tough schedule. Okay. Yeah, so – Give me more time to think. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to you. Yeah, I'll come back to you uh, probably maybe around training camp, to, and we'll, we'll probably okay. all visit this again. The thing that I said about the schedule as soon as I I saw it was we knew the opponent the opponents were going to be no matter what, and so we knew the schedule wasn't going to be fun. But the order in which it was constructed it almost felt like one of us made it. Like it, there's an advantageous flow to it where you know you get the Bucks out of the gate, who are a decent football team. I think we automatically. Ex- ex- assume the Bucs suck. Well, no, they really don't. They just don't have Tom Brady. It's the only thing they're missing. It's just a big deal. Uh, And then I just really like the end because it's shaping up if the Lions actually are decent. We're finally going to have a week 18 game, especially that means something. (laughs) It's been like seven years since that happened. 
And you you get the Lions, Packers, and Lions. So if you want it, go get it at the end of the season. And the rest of it, uh, it's kind of weird. Last year we looked at mur- <laughs> the murderer's row of the schedule was Dallas, Buffalo, New England, and then the Jets got good for a little bit. Well, that exact murderer's row is now the mushy part of the schedule this year in November when you should should stack some wins against the Falcons. I can't remember who else is right in the middle off the top of my head, but it's really kind of it, it flips out of the gate this year. The Vikings will be lucky to be three and three by the start of week seven. And as weird as that is to say is because Brian's talking about it. It's murder. It, it really is not an easy schedule when you're staring at the Chargers in week three <clears throat> and the Chiefs are in October. So <clears throat> they have to get out to at least a hot start to beat the Bucks. Then, you know, don't look like fools against the Eagles and then maybe get to three and three, maybe four and two if they're if they're that good. Um, before you hit week seven or so. All right, Allie, thank you for joining us. You were a more than adequate Sally substitute. You're welcome anytime. Uh, Ron, let's see. I think next week we'll be back. We can start to get into some of these roster camp battles. And then, Ryan, sir, uh, what do you got on tap this week? You go anywhere cool? I'm actually in Atlanta still. I go back on Saturday. Okay. Um, came out here, I came out here last week. We had a meeting um, with Comcast for my company last oh, chat. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, group. We'll talk to you. Atlanta game. Oh yeah, sorry. Vikings Atlanta game November sixth. I know you spent a lot of time in Atlanta. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.